Good morning, everyone. Joining me today is Juno Police Lieutenant Jeremy Weskey. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, I'd like to start by congratulating you on receiving your 15-year award during last week's ceremony. Thank you. Yeah, it was uh, it was nice. It's been a good career so far. Of course, there was a lot more deserving people there getting awards, but uh, it's nice to get a pin for 15 years. And some citizens got awards for assisting officers or performing rescues themselves. What do you think when a citizen comes up to you and asks, can I help? Uh, well, I actually have a uh, personal experience with this. I, when I was a patrol cop, I uh, was in um, an altercation with somebody who uh, was resisting arrest and um, some somebody who had seen it from a distance came over and offered their assistance and uh, it probably saved me from from some serious physical injury. So I was very thankful. We as a department um, are always really thankful of citizens offering their help, whether that is in uh, helping affect an arrest or uh, like one of the people who got an award, uh, I believe his name was Robert. He saw that we were dealing with someone in the middle of a, of a busy street in bad road conditions and dark lighting. And he stood there in the roadway and directed traffic around us. Uh, so there's a lot of ways that you can help, um, but we are always appreciative when, when a citizen steps up and does that. And gets recognized. And then they, they can get recognized, and, and they absolutely should. Those are, those are moments that should be celebrated. So tell us about the string of drug busts performed by CCAD. I believe there are three busts announced just this month. I take it this isn't typical. You know, it's been it it's been a busy week, uh, but the drug unit, unfortunately, uh, has been very busy uh, for the last few years. Uh, this week was a little out of the norm in that they had uh, four different arrests, I believe, maybe three arrests. Um, okay. But they had three three arrests at the airport, and they had a, a parcel interdiction, um, so a mail interdiction. Um, and got got a good amount of drugs off the street and made some good cases as well as the at the airport yeah those so the three arrests at the airport yeah and explain ccad for us what led to southeast communities to form such a group you know i don't i i'm not familiar with the history except that we've had something similar to it for quite a long time, certainly longer than I've worked at the department. Uh, used to be called CNET, then it changed to CCAD. Um, and it is, it's a multi-agency task force, for a lack of better term, that uh, works together to make cases, uh, prevent drug uh, distribution in Southeast Alaska. We're a little bit... Um, unique in that we have uh we we have interactions with other departments uh maybe on a more frequent basis than people would expect for having completely different cities but uh the same drug offenders may be in Juneau one week and then they may be in Ketchikan the next or they run drugs through all those cities so we work together as a group to try and uh to try and combat that uh currently CCAD has members from uh Juneau Police Department, the state troopers, um, the Postal Service, Coast Guard Investigative Service. Um, we've got people from Petersburg, uh, Ketchikan, I believe. Uh, so lots of different agencies help out. 
uh, the DEA, um, and it's been it's been a real benefit to all the communities in Southeast. And what's what's the Juno Police Department's role? We're we're a hub community here in Southeast, so. How does it work for you guys? Yeah, and you just kind of described it. We're we're the hub. So uh, uh, part of CCAD is that uh, it's funded by um, HIDA, and I, I don't know if you've heard of HIDA, but it's a it's a funding source through the federal government for high intensity drug trafficking areas. Uh, so. Um, and part of that funding is that you have a task force like we have with CCAD. Juno is kind of the 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 main municipal department in that. Um, we have DE agents that are working at JPD. We have uh, a postal inspector that comes and works with us at JPD. We have a trooper there. So, uh, and then of course we have the FBI that helps out and they come into the building uh, on a regular basis. I don't know if uh, you heard about it, but um, we're, it's become such a big part of our department that we're looking to expand the drug unit, uh, the actual physical building because we're running out of space. So, um, it's, uh, it's a growing housed within JPD. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's, you're saying it's growing. Yep. And not all those agencies are housed in JPD, but many of them are. Okay. And I imagine that keeps buddy busy. It does, yeah. Uh, Buddy's a little star around around JPD. We love him. Um, he's given—I'm not sure how old he is now, maybe seven or eight years old—but he has given us uh, a lot of years of really good service. Very good. And update us on officer recruitment in the department. How how is that looking? We're we have an open recruitment. We're always looking to recruit. Um, you know what's. Uh, what can be difficult is that you'll get somebody in the building and at the same time you will have a retirement or somebody will move uh, somebody move somewhere else. We're, we're doing a good job of uh, getting applicants, but we're always looking for more, uh, whether that's people who are local, someone who um, comes in from out of state. Maybe they've worked as a police officer before and they want to be a police officer here in Alaska. You know, we're looking for people from all walks of life. Um, and we always ask, you know, I've, I've been on the radio a handful of times now, and this comes up every time. And every single time I just uh, encourage people, if you know of anybody who has ever thought about being a cop, uh, if you know of anybody who you just think would be good at it, um, talk to them about it. Let them know. Uh, give them a little pressure. Sometimes people just need that push or that encouragement to start the process. And once they do, they find out the process isn't all that difficult. It's uh, we, we guide you through it. We make the process as easy as we can, um, and uh, and we love getting applicants in the door. We love getting people in the door and having them start a great career. And what got you started 15 years ago? I had some exposure to the police department. I had a cousin that worked here at the police department. I actually interned um, when I was in high school at the police department. Uh, then I left town and said I would never come back like most Juno kids do, and uh, hadn't really thought about doing police work, but then um, just like I asked everyone on the radio just to do now, uh, my dad mentioned to me, hey, uh, JPD's hiring at that time. I was thinking about coming back to Juno, And uh, so I put an application in just, just to see how it would go and made it through the process, got hired, and it's been the best decision I ever made. And I'm very thankful for it. And uh, I would recommend it to anybody else. All right. Well, we'll have more after these words. Hey, Wesky. Now... 
We spoke a little bit about recruitment in the last program, but we had just remembered that there's actually another position that was announced from the award ceremony. Yeah, I'm real glad you brought it up. We lost our uh, longtime mechanic, Scott, um, and so we are in need of a new mechanic. And uh, so just like I mentioned for cops, if you uh, are a mechanic and you would like to come work for JPD or you know of someone who's looking to get into that, that kind of line of work or looking to take uh, their current line of work and move it to JPD, we would be uh, real appreciative. We um, obviously we drive cars every day, all day, every day. And so we have a real need for a mechanic. Uh, if you, I'm not sure if the process is open where you can go online and apply, but you can definitely call JPD and we can get you set up uh, in, in what you need to do. So uh, definitely get the word out there that we're looking for a mechanic. That would be really helpful. And well, we were just chatting a little bit but during the break. Uh, it, the last mechanic must have been working on the Crown Vicks, but this new one, they'll, they'll have to work on some of the newer stuff, huh? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. The Crown Vicks, they, they started getting phased out a while ago, but we have been running in Tauruses for quite a while, and now we're transitioning over to uh, SUVs. So you, you probably see, see them more on the road these days. Um, so we're moving, we're moving almost exclusively to those SUVs. Very good. So we saw the tragic school shooting in Texas last month, and it made me wonder, God forbid, about it happening here. What's the department's response look like in such an event? Um, well, first, uh, I can talk about the department's preparation. We do um, critical violent incident training uh, regularly. We... Um, we train in the schools, we train in other buildings that could be possible targets. We make a, we make a point of making sure that all of, our, uh, all of our officers have a good understanding of what the expectation is. Uh, like you said, God forbid, should we have an incident like that happen here. Uh, in addition to all that training that we have for our police department, we also have training for citizens. Um, the schools have implemented training called ALICE uh, our school resource officer, Officer Kreiderman, does that training, that Alice training for other entities as well. So you don't have to just be a school. Um, he goes in, he, he, uh, it's a few days worth of training. I think they do some practical exercises as well. It's an uncomfortable topic. I think it's one that um, people sometimes might want to avoid or they want to think that it won't happen at their place of business, but it's something that you should definitely be prepared for. You don't want to be thinking about what you should do when an incident like that occurs. You want to have that muscle memory already in place um, to, give yourself a, to give yourself a better chance. And how would you say responses have changed over the years? For police, responses started changing after the Columbine shooting. Um, before Columbine, the response protocol, I guess, for lack of a better term, was to get there to secure the building and to wait for special teams to come in, uh, so your SWAT teams to come in and take care of the threat. After Columbine, uh, police shifted away from that model to a model where we have to go in and uh, take care of the threat as fast as we possibly can. Um, and that, that has been the model for police for quite some time. And, uh, and now like we're seeing, and you and I talked about off air, the, the, 
the training for citizens or students is starting to change as well, where it used to be that they just wanted you to lock down and stay still and stay hidden. There's now a little bit more of that training. So uh, if you can run, you run. If you can hide, you hide. And if you can do neither of those things, you fight. Um, and that's that's a different way of looking at it than than was taught to people in the past. But that's that's what we're going with now. One would hope they improve safety. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate that we are constantly evolving our response because uh, that means that we're continuing to have these incidents. That's that's the reason why we have to evolve. But the hope is that the better the better we make our own tactics, whether that's the police department or citizens, the more likely you are to, to survive an incident like this. So on a different note, could you update us on the department's effort to change how mental health crisis calls are, are handed, handled? Yeah, you know, this is a citywide push, so it's not just the police department, but for, um, Maybe a year, a year and a half, we have been talking about implementing a program known as Crisis Now in town. Um, we're still in the planning phase, uh, but but we are taking active steps to get to a place where we could implement something like that. Crisis Now is a program that's active in Fairbanks and Anchorage, I believe, uh, and then it's active in other cities in the lower 48. The idea of it is that if someone's experiencing a mental health crisis, they could call a number that's not 911. Um, they can call that number uh, and be routed through a, a, a system that gets them to a mental health professional. Or if someone calls 911 and it's apparent that it's a mental health crisis, we can then dispatch the crisis now units to deal with to deal uh, with the issue. Um, those units consist of mental health professionals. They might consist of an EMT. Uh, they might consist of someone who is familiar with social services. And they go out and they just try and help the person. You know, a lot of these mental health calls, uh, they're not something that the police needs to be involved in. And the police department has always been open to partnering with our mental health partners, agencies, uh, because we understand that we are not mental health professionals and we want people to get the help that they need. Um, so I think this model is is uh, really promising um, and the city is definitely working towards it. And how it currently works is what you had explained is that 911 goes to you or uh, when a mental health crisis occurs, people can only call the 911, right? Yeah, right now, I mean, there, there, there are other options, but the bulk of those calls come to us. Uh, at that point, we may dispatch out a police officer. Um, we may dispatch out a medical unit. Um, but yeah, right now, the bulk of those calls are coming to us and we are responding. We do have training in um, CIT, uh, critical incident training. We have, uh, we have training in de-escalation. So we we have a lot of training in um, dealing with mental health crises, but uh, but we're not professionals and we- Like you were we, saying, mental right, health professionals. Right, we want to see uh, a, a shift so that people are getting care from someone who's actually a mental health professional and um, that's better for everybody involved. Very good. And you said it was in the planning, but could we, is there any way we can expect when this might become the norm or? I am not 
sure of the current timeline. I believe uh, that if it's, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure of the timeline. I know that we are in a, in a planning phase. It's been before the city assembly, I believe. Um, and so we're just kind of working through the steps. Okay. And Iron Man is a, on another different topic. Iron Man is about to bring a lot of people here to the capital city. How is the department preparing for that? Yeah, so that's um, August 7th, I believe, if I have my date right. For, yeah. um, it's going to be a Sunday. The police department, we will have an increased presence, mostly for traffic control. Uh, you know, you're going to have somewhere around uh, a thousand athletes here uh, and with them come support teams. So you're going to have a real increase in in population. You're going to have a lot of increase in traffic and then the the race itself provides some some issues for traffic because you have people running on the road, riding their bikes on the road. Uh, so we'll be there just to make sure everybody stays safe, make sure that the bikers, the athletes, the drivers on the road can all coexist together. Um, for, for residents here, you should be seeing pretty soon a mailer come out from the Ironman group that will give you a breakdown of uh, expected traffic delays. The bulk of the delays are going to be in the um, back loop area between University Drive, which is where the university housing is, and the roundabout in Ock Bay. Um, and there'll be some other areas where you might experience a little delay, but uh, but that's going to be the, the bulk of it. That area will actually be shut down for the first portion of the race. So people will need to detour through Riverside Drive or detour on Mendenhall Loop Road. Um, but that that information will come out. I believe they're going to send one to every every mailing address here in Juneau. So if you live here, you're going to be able to get information about it and you'll know about it. And so we had celebration recently. That brought a lot of people to town as well. How, is there some of the preparations you had to do there that's similar to what's going to happen here with Iron Man? Mm -hmm. Yep. So uh, like with celebration, they had, uh, they had parades. So, you know, the police department's role in that is just to make sure that the streets that need to be shut down are shut down that uh that people can move freely and safely uh, and that's a similar thing that we're going to do with iron man but on a bigger scale for iron man and and the same thing that we're going to do for the fourth of july parade which is coming up uh well on the fourth of july <laughs> and uh so it's a busy summer we've got a we've got a few big events um but but that that's the police department's role is to plan that out, make sure we have enough staff available to uh, allow everyone to have a good, safe time. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, well, while we're on the topic of uh, summer activities, we do have National Night Out coming up on the first Tuesday of August. And that date, I definitely... Well, I think it might be the third, but first Tuesday of August, this is something that we've done um, every year for the past 10 years, probably, except one year, I believe, in COVID where it was canceled. Uh, but it's a chance for you as uh, neighborhoods to have a block party, get together with your neighbors, um, and then uh, first responders, whether that's the police, the fire department, animal control, Coast Guard, you know, a bunch of different agencies, the troopers, we come out and uh, visit your party. Sometimes we have a mascot. Sometimes we just have cool fire trucks and cop cars with lots of lights for the kids. And uh, it's a great chance for 
us to meet people. It's a great chance for people to meet us on a, on a, you know, non-serious type of scale, right? You just, you're just enjoying each other's company and it's also you're not crashing the party, right? Not crashing the party. <laughs> and it's a great chance for neighbors to get to know each other too. Um, you get a lot of neighborhood watch groups set up that way where people realize that, uh, that they want to do something better for their, for their neighborhood. So that's coming up. Be on the lookout for it. Uh, if you want to throw a block party, you can contact, um, Jennifer Adams, who is a civilian investigator at JPD, or Lieutenant Craig Campbell, who is the special operations lieutenant. They're running the, they're running National Night Out this year. Oh, well, thank you very much, Lieutenant. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you all for tuning in this June 15th. We'll be speaking with Juno Representative Sarah Hannon on the next program, so be sure to tune in for that. This is Kevin Allen for Action Line, signing off. <laughs>